Welcome to the Sales History Podcast with your host, author of The Transparency Sale and The Transparent Sales Leader, Todd Capone. Each episode brings you the incredible and sometimes strange minds, philosophies, and approaches from sales history's past with relevance to today. Here's Todd. Do you believe being a sales professional is considered prestigious by others? Meaning you go to a party, you go somewhere and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what do you do? And you reply, I'm in sales. Do you think in the back of their mind, they're like, ooh, la-di-da. Or are they going, ugh, gross. Well, would you believe that 100 years ago, B2B salespeople were held in high regard? And by the 1960s, all of that was gone. And so... I dug in to try to figure out, all right, what happened and how did this sales profession erode to the point where now in Gallup's annual study of honesty and ethics and professions, salespeople typically end up right at the bottom or at least near it and have for years. What happened? Can it be fixed? I found a study from 1965 that breaks it down. And so that's what we're going to go through today. So... Buckle up, we're going to dig into the low prestige of the sales profession. So what is your perception of the sales profession? And as a sales professional, like somebody's got a negative perception, how would you go about trying to convince them otherwise? There's an irony in that question, but let's start by defining the sales profession. Because when I say 100 years ago, it was trusted and admired and respected, most people think back to like medicine men and drummers and bagmen of the 1800s. Well, you've gone too far back. I define the sales profession as really starting in the late 1800s when companies like NCR Corporation, which is the National Cash Register Corporation, or Burroughs Adding Machines or Ford Motor Company, they were, they were hiring their own salespeople, they were training them, and they became the company's brand to the public. Now, while advertising and marketing started to really take shape, most customers and prospects were basically getting their impression of different companies and their products by the salespeople that were sent out to come see them. And in 1916, as we've talked about before at the first World Sales Congress, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson was the keynote speaker. And like we had talked about before, that sounds crazy. Why would a President of the United States keynote a sales conference, especially as the rest of the world was embroiled in World War I, salespeople selling the right products to the right companies at the right price at the right time, they were considered the vessel by which our economy and our country would establish ourselves as a world power. And that sellers who viewed the world through the eyes of the buyers and really helping them to achieve their desired outcomes that would result in a strongly growing economy from which all within it would benefit. And Wilson's message was all about honesty. And really, as we look at the profession of what was called back then salesmanship from 1905 through even the 1940s, honesty was really the baseline. And it was trusted, admired, respected to the point where it was taught at all the major colleges and even in many high schools, especially in the 1910s. And it was taught to both men and women. Like women saw it as an opportunity to establish a baseline and not be held to be 
dependent on men for everything. Women looked at sales as the means. But like I said, the positive perception was all gone by the 1960s. And colleges were no longer teaching it. High schools were no longer teaching it, of course. So I wanted to figure out what happened. There's a gap of information and research-backed data on the true cause of the erosion of the profession. But we could look to that idea of it no longer being taught in colleges as a vessel to figure this out. I found a study in the Journal of Marketing from 1965 that is so interesting that it's really going to be the core of the rest of what we talk about here today. But in it, college students were asked about their perceptions of the profession. And as it turns out, there was really two things. Number one is the overwhelming majority did not and would not want to get into sales. And number two was many of those same students had really uncomplimentary things to say about the occupation. Like I said, it was no longer being taught in high schools, of course, but colleges. And part of that issue was a demand problem. I mean, they're not in the business of offering a curriculum and a professional focus if nobody wants to be in it. Now, this perception at the time was impacting the economy. The economy, much like today, needs salespeople in both quantity and quality. And even those who were in the profession were seeking a way out because of the associated unsavory social standing. Individuals, like you would imagine today, they receive less satisfaction from their work when other people don't perceive what they do as being favorable. Now, by 1981, this perception had only slightly improved. Uh, According to an article that I found in the fall of 1981 edition of the Journal of Academy of Marketing Science, companies were forced to turn to college campuses as a core source of potential sales recruits, and that was really no easy task. Quote, surveys of student attitudes towards the selling occupation portray a consistently negative evaluation of sales careers. In other words, students not only refused to take sales positions, but they were resisting even interviewing for them in the early 1980s. Now, the results were significant and businesses not able to attract quality individuals for sales positions meant lost revenues, which trickled across the economy. There was a quote from John L. Mason at the University of Toledo in 1965 that says, you know, at least since World War II, and especially since the beginning of the buyer's market in the mid-1950s, a great many executives have become increasingly perplexed about the dearth of interest in personal selling as an occupational goal. And so let's dig into that. The 1965 Journal of Marketing study broke it all down. I want to take you through their study because I think it's highly applicable to today. And it also speaks to, is it possible to turn around this perception? So let's go through that study and what makes an occupation prestigious. The five things that this Journal of Marketing study from 1965 considered to make an occupation considered prestigious are interesting in that I believe they're probably the five that are today. And what's also interesting is selling possesses three of those five. The first one is what they called white collar versus blue collar occupations. And what this means 
historically between the two is really superficially between what's considered manual work versus mental work. There was a perception given to those occupations which were primarily non-manual. And selling is absolutely considered white-collar work. So number one, let's score this one an A, right? That's a really positive one for the sales profession. Number two, another one that scores well for salespeople is income. Professions are considered prestigious when incomes are consistently high. And in sales, that continue, you know, that that's considered to be true. However, sales doesn't quite score an A in this one because there is a caveat. The sales profession falls squarely in the category of being in the upper end in terms of income. However, variable incomes are viewed as being less desirable and carry less prestige than stable incomes, like high salary, high consistent income. So I would score this one a B if we're using the traditional school rating system. Let's go on to number three, which is freedom of action. And this one we do pretty well in too. That the highest professions in this category are generally observed in entrepreneurial or self-employed type roles. You know, for the most part, the sales profession is not a self-employment role. So that's why we don't score quite perfectly. However, it is met with a considerable amount of freedom in the conduct of their role. Meaning as salespeople, you've got relative freedom from close supervision. So like I said, the, the, this category is good. It's not probably an A because it's not self-employed, but I would give the sales profession likely a B unless your entry level, which would score it a little bit less, uh, meaning you're in an office every day and there's a lot of close supervision. So, so far we've gone through three and we've got an A and two Bs. Well, here's where things start to fall apart. Number one is or number four out of the five, but number one out of the two that fall apart is education and training. This category doesn't favor the sales profession as you might think, right? There's lots of sales education and training. There's classes. There's people like me that do classes for a living. But what they're talking about here in terms of prestige is referring to those lengthy, formalized and expensive required by law type classes, right? Or by practice or by custom. Like the role of a doctor requires that you achieve a doctor and a, the role of a lawyer implies a formal education requirement and the applicable experience to be designated a lawyer. In sales, there's really no formal credential, there's no formal degree, there's no expensive or length, lengthy educational requirement to enter the profession. And so the sales profession typically ranks low here, which I would probably give it a C or even a D. Number five and number two in the category that we don't do so great in is power, right? So this category does not favor the sales profession in that prestige is assigned to individuals and roles who have oversight and control over the behavior of others. Salespeople may have the ability to influence buyers, but typically have no subordinates. And as a result, they're ranked low in this category, in my opinion. I'd probably give this a C or a, a D score here. So the five categories of what makes an occupation prestigious. Number one is, is it white collar or blue collar? We do well. Number two is income. We do well. Number three, freedom of action. We do well, meaning independence and freedom from close supervision. Number four, education and training, the formal, the 
the credentialed type training that's required to even practice the profession we do not do well in. And number five is power, meaning the ability to influence many people. We don't do so well in that category. But of the five categories, I mean, we do well in three of them. And if you consider so many other professions that are probably considered more prestigious than us, they don't score as well on three out of five. So why? Why would sales continue to be so repulsed as a career option if three of the five prestigious categories we do well in? Well, here's why. And here's where the research study, but really a little common sense around it, tells us that maybe we may never get it back. But I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Consistently, students are not attracted to a profession where they believe the sole focus is on persuading individuals to buy things. Right? You ask people, like, hey, your job is going to be to persuade people to buy things. That typically is not meant with much attraction. Couple that role focus with a reputation that at their worst, salespeople don't tell the truth. And at the best, they don't tell the whole truth. That's the reputation, right? And that together is a recipe for low prestige, especially if they've experienced being sold to before. Theodore Levitt, in his book, Innovation and Marketing, from 1962, referred to it as a, quote, natural and irremovable difference of interest between sellers and buyers, and went on to say that we're all buyers. We've all experienced being sold to before. Now, my opinion here is I believe the future of the profession continues to be bright. I also, though, believe that we must shed two words from our lexicon. And one word is scale, and the other word is convince. I believe that we must return to the 1916 goal of the role, which is to help individuals achieve outcomes, whether it's with you or with somebody else, honestly and transparently. Help buyers to predict, not to convince. I believe that the proliferation of information has not made it easier on buyers, right? Buyers know more nowadays. Sure they do, but that's made it harder on buyers. And salespeople, being that ability to predict, doing the homework for the buyers become a huge asset to buyers versus a necessary evil. I also believe that we need to eliminate that word scale in reference to anything that is solely metrics focused instead of buyer focused. I personally am proud of my work as a sales professional in my career. And part of, like I said about the transparency sale is it not only sells better than perfection, but it turns out that it should lift the profession and the perceptions around it. So with that, I would love to hear from you on it. The, the questions become, is sales as a prestigious career salvageable? Like, can we get it back? And then number two is, how would you position the sales profession to someone who has a negative perception? Again, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. What do you think? Can we get it back? And how would you sell it? As always, please rate, review, if you're listening this on a site or a channel that has ratings and reviews like Apple and I don't remember which other ones do but again I do this as a hobby I do this for fun I'm so glad that so many of you are enjoying it please share it out tell your friends about it if you think that they would get some value or entertainment out of this and uh, we'll look forward to the next episode with you all right thanks again <music>